Hi once again, and welcome to yet another episode of Gab and Grow, a podcast designed to help you navigate the people, places, resources, and ideas at Western Connecticut State University. I'm your host, Mary Beth Griffin, and I'm happy to be here with you today. I think some of you may want to uh, skip right past our topic today, which is campus judicial affairs, because you're thinking, I never get in trouble. There's no need for me to tune into this one. But I'm going to ask you to stay and listen anyway, because we aren't just going to be talking about what happens if you get in trouble, but we're going to be talking about some great opportunities that you might find in judicial affairs in their office that you might not have known existed, and uh, they could be some fun for you. So um, I want to take time right now to recognize our campus judicial affairs expert who knows really what we're talking about, and that's Charlie Alexander, who is our director for judicial affairs. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Mary Beth. Thank you very much uh, for having me today. And I think this is a wonderful idea that you are all doing over in housing, having these podcasts. So thank you very much for having me come in today. Oh, great. We're happy to have you. And uh, and I, you know, I love giving people the opportunity to hear a little bit more about it because I think especially with judicial affairs, the first time people are hearing about it sometimes is when they're in your office. And that's not always a good thing. You want to let them know, A, that, you know, you're not a scary ogre. And I can, I can, I can swear for that here. Um, I've known Charlie for a long time, and he's only a scary ogre on you know special days of the year. So, uh, Charlie, I want to start just by asking you: Can you give us like a general overview of judicial affairs and what your department does? Sure. Um, well, the Office of Judicial Affairs we basically oversee the university disciplinary process. So, anytime there's incidents of cheating, plagiarism in the classroom. Uh, things that happen on campus, in the residence halls, parking garage, sometimes off campus. Um, our office oversees that. It, it basically handles anything that's a violation of the student code of conduct. And sometimes mm-hmm. that can involve even clubs, organizations, uh, student athletes, a whole bunch of different types of students. Anyone that violates the student code of conduct will come to my office. But my office doesn't just oversee the disciplinary process. We're also very proactively involved with the the students. Uh, uh, I chair the student care team here at the university. Um, so we have a lot of proactive approaches where we want to see students connected to the university. And uh, we make sure every student that comes in, although it could be an intimidating experience, that they're greeted with a smile, a handshake, whether it's by one of my student workers, my grad intern, or myself, because we know that it could be an intimidating experience for them. Yeah. And we're located in the Midtown Student Center, just so uh, all university students and members know we're located in Suite 220 of the Midtown Student Center. It's a lovely suite. <laughs> it's actually a pretty nice space. So um, I know you used to be over on the west side, and sometimes it was hard just to find you. You're a lot easier to find these days. So. I'm very easy to yeah. find, yes. <laughs> um, you talked a little bit about the student code. Can you, you know, talk to us just about it? Because this is not just a code that Western follows. It's actually the same code of conduct that all the state universities and the colleges also use, right? That is correct, yes. Uh, The student code of conduct uh, is used by all the state community colleges and Western, Central, Southern, and Eastern. And basically the code of conduct for students trumps everything. Sometimes you can have rules and regulations with clubs, organizations, um, but if there's something that's going on with the club's organizations that are violations of one of our student code mm-hmm. of conduct policies, the student code of conduct trumps that. The student code of conduct has control of saying whether uh, 
a fraternity is still going to be in existence on campus, yeah. um, if they're going to be placed on probation for a period at a time. So it's really important for all students to become as familiar as possible with the student code of conduct. Uh, we have hard copies in, the, in our office. Um, you can also get those online by going into wcsu.edu, um, but go into the judicial affairs, which is under mm -hmm. student affairs. Uh, webpage because the code of conduct is right there online. It's in the student affairs webpage. It's in the judicial affairs webpage. I'm pretty confident there's a link from housing that goes into the <laughs> yeah. student code of conduct. It's all over. But the, what's important with a student code of conduct is that, you know, you, especially when you're living on campus in the residence halls, you, you really do want to familiarize yourself with the rules, regulations. Housing is great. The RAs, RDs, they have building meetings and floor meetings. But if those students don't show up to it, it's up to them as a young adult to make sure they familiarize themselves with it um, because it goes over their due process right. We're not a court of law. We're a university disciplinary setting. But it's really important to familiarize yourself Can with you that code. Can you talk about that difference, I think, because I, I know years ago I used to do this. So it, that's a very confusing thing for people. So can you just talk about how that's separated, I guess? Sure. It, in a court of law, uh, it's based on beyond a reasonable doubt. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're at a university disciplinary setting, we base it on the preponderance of evidence or does something more likely than not happen. Uh, we don't make a, you know, we do our best anyway not to make our hearings or our one-on-one -on -one administrative disciplinary meetings court-like. Um, we're there welcoming the student in. Um, at a court of law, you don't, you're not getting any of that. In our office, we're sitting down talking to them first about, hey, how are your classes going? Mm -hmm. um, oh. Are you involved with anything at the university, any clubs or organizations? Or if we notice that they're not doing well academically, we're going to say, hey, here are some resources available mm -hmm. on campus. Have you spoken to the academic resource mentor in your building if you're a residential student? Or if you're a commuter student, here are some different academic places uh, to go to. It's not just uh, a one-and-done deal in, our, in mm -hmm. our office. We're going to keep following up with the students. But much different than a court of law. Sometimes we do, and I'm sure we're probably going to talk about that in a little while, we get cases that are that are uh, more significant, uh, I should say. Um, but we are not a court of law. Sometimes students would like to bring an attorney in. Mm -hmm. They're more than welcome to. Um, they just can't speak at all during the proceedings yeah. or the hearings. And, and we don't. We're not court-like in any way. Yeah, I think that's uh... – I think especially because you start talking, you talk judicial affairs, you talk about hearings and things. So people's association is immediately with that. But the the whole concept of campus judicial work, you know, and conduct stuff is, A, to make sure you understand that any place that you live, there are policies and things that you have to live by. If you live in a condo association, there's a way you can park or decorate your house or things. So... You know, it's not any different than the wider world, but it's really here, once again, trying to find ways to help you be a better student, be able to complete your your studies here and get a degree from here. And sometimes if your conduct is interrupting that, you know, you can't get to that. So one of the things that I think we don't talk about a lot is that student affairs, the judicial officer... The folks, if you're in the residence halls and you're meeting with your RD about it, it's trying to get you past that bump of a bad decision or a little bit of, you know, behavior that doesn't meet the norms so that you get back into the swing of things and, and continue on successfully as a student. Yes, yeah. ab absolutely. Uh, 
Like I mentioned earlier, the, the thing about one and done, um, when a student encounters a disciplinary process, a lot of times it's, for lack of a better word, minor. Maybe it's their wrong place, wrong time, and it's alcohol-related. And they're not going to have a hearing. They're going to have a, a 101 administrative disciplinary meeting with me. And, you know, once we have that meeting and, and it's all over with, we just don't let the student just go. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going to happen is myself or my graduate intern, we're going to follow up. We're going to do assessment every single semester with students that encounter the process that are on some kind of disciplinary probation for a significant mm-hmm. period of time. Sometimes they come to that meeting. Sometimes they don't. But we always, every semester at the start of semester, we follow up with students to say, hey, come on in. You know, we're starting to talk to them. All right, well, what did you think about the disciplinary process? Give us some feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, but as well as giving them that list of resources available. It's like, okay, well, we look at your classes here. We, you know, looks like you're doing pretty good. Sometimes the student likes to hear, hey, good, yep. good job, good yep. job. Um, but they're not going to just, it's not just one and done and, and, and we're going to for, forget about it. Um, another big program that we do in judicial affairs is Jumpstart. And this is students that have under a 2.0 grade point average. Okay. And they've been involved with the disciplinary process. Okay. Sometimes people can see they think that there's a lot of correlation between uh, acting up or getting in trouble with the rules and regulations and not doing well in school. Mm-hmm. But there really isn't much correlation. Uh, we could have, I'm just using this. This is an accurate number. But let's say we have a couple of hundred students that are under a 2.0. Maybe only 15 of them also have a disciplinary mm-hmm. record. So there isn't much correlation. But that Jumpstart program, uh, it, it's been very successful um, Last spring of 18, uh, we just completed our first group. And any, those students, is a couple times each, each semester, we call them in. We, once we get the midterm grades, we're calling them in. At the start of the semester, we're calling them in. At the start of each semester, and after right up to the midterms, we're calling them in. And the students that are showing up every semester, because we don't just stop after their freshman year. We're mm-hmm. going to follow up with them their sophomore year, mm-hmm. their junior year, and their senior year. And the assessment that we had, my graduate intern did, it's been uh, amazing. It's like 92% of the students that are going to their meetings have improved or significantly improved their grade point average. So that's one of the positive things that we do in judicial affairs with following up with students. Yeah, that's a a great thing. You know, you talked about um, an administrative meeting with you or a hearing. Could you talk about what those differences are? Absolutely. Um, an administrative meeting is basically a student has a first time, sometimes second time incident here at the university. Uh, maybe it's uh, alcohol. Um, that's probably the biggest one. Maybe they're being non-compliant with a housing staff member. Uh, maybe they were acting up in the classroom. It wasn't necessarily threatening behavior, but it was just being uh, same thing, non-compliant mm-hmm. with, a, with, with a faculty member. We'll call that student in. Uh, this is the administrative part. And we'll sit down and have a conversation. Like I said, we do A, B, C, D before we talk about discipline. Mm-hmm. We're talking about how they're relating to the university and everything. Hearings are different. Um, sometimes we have incidents that have to go to a hearing. And there's a difference in types of hearing and judicial board mm-hmm. hearings that we have. Uh, a hearing with myself and a resident director has to do with incidents in housing. Usually, uh, first-time offense, if a student has a smoke detector covered, it's discovered during a health and safety check or just discovered when an RA is making rounds and they see somebody with their door open, that's an automatic hearing because that is a big safety concern at the university. 
or if it's a student's third time alcohol offense, we're going to go to a formal hearing now and mm -hmm. say, okay, we've already met with you twice. We don't, we don't have a choice. Yeah. Now, our goal isn't to, to separate. Um, we do have a restorative justice process, mm -hmm. and those type of cases like covered smoke detectors, uh, marijuana for the third time, or alcohol or drug for the third time, uh, assuming the student shows up to the hearing, mm -hmm. um, everything's recorded. We listen to their side of the story. The resident director, myself, could ask the student questions. The student could ask uh, RAs that show up as witnesses questions. Everybody has an opportunity to ask each other questions. Mm -hmm. uh, it's formal, but yet at the same time, it's informal. We don't yeah. allow any, like, you know, intimidating or mm -hmm. trying to scare the students or for the RAs to be overwhelmed by the accused student. Yeah. We, we, don't, we don't tolerate any of that. But once that hearing is done, I always have a conversation with the, the, the resident director to, to make sure they're comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, this is typically, they showed up, they were honest, you know, should we give them a choice of either separation or B, give back to the community, do A, B, C, D, mm -hmm. E, educational sanctions, components. Um, almost 100% of the time, the student will choose, obviously, the restorative justice yeah. option. Um, but those are the type of hearings that uh, we would do with housing. Now, the other type of hearing is a judicial board hearing. Mm -hmm. And that is when we have, and I'm sure I could talk about it in a little mm -hmm. while, how to become a judicial board member if you're interested. Yeah. Um, but those are more significant cases when we have a judicial board. A judicial board usually have three representatives, one faculty member, one administrator, and one student, and they're involved with the decision-making. I oversee it all to make sure due process is being followed, to make sure mm -hmm. the accused student's rights are being followed. If it's a situation where there's a, a victim survivor, make sure that their rights are being followed. And those type of cases could be drug dealing on campus, mm -hmm. uh, any type of sexual misconduct, yeah. dating violence, stalking, um, I'm trying to think of some other big ones. Maybe it's a fight that happened mm -hmm. on campus. Maybe somebody was, you know, their lives were threatened. Yeah. Uh, th those type of situations are automatically going to go to a university judicial board. Incidents in the classroom um, that, you know, cheating on a final or something very significant, um, how the professor coming and everything, we're going to let a judicial board make a decision in regards to those. So we consider those more significant incidents. So it's basically like a step up from a hearing. It is a hearing, but it's just right. a hearing with a university judicial board. Yeah. And that does kind of lead into to what I was thinking about. And, and back at the beginning, I said, you know, there are opportunities in your office to be involved when you're not involved in a case. And, and one of those is the judicial board and being a judicial board member. So can you talk just a little bit about if somebody is interested in doing that? There are a lot of people who may be JLA majors or they may be social workers or, you know, just about anything you can fall into it, but they have an interest in that. So how do they become a judicial board member? Sure. One of the, one of the first things is uh, students often have that mis, um, misperception of, oh my goodness, I'm not a JLA or a social yeah. worker. What's nice about, you could be any Mm -hmm. major. Uh, you could be an education major. You could be yeah. in the VPA. You could be in theater. Yeah. Any type of major does not matter. It's just a great leadership opportunity if students want to be part of our university judicial board. And every year we're always looking for new students because we lose students from graduation mm -hmm. and everything. Um, if you were to talk to some of the students uh, that were on it, fellow students, talk to them. Very rewarding experience for them. Great resume. Um, what you do if you're interested and you really are interested in that leadership opportunity, let me first start by saying our judicial board, we have over 35 judicial board members, which are evenly comprised of faculty members, administrators, and students. And on average, you probably be called in between three to five times per academic year. Mm -hmm. 
And we only call in three board members. Usually it's one student, one administrator, one faculty member. But if you're interested in, in getting that training, same thing, go into the wcsu.edu slash judicial um, affairs website, and you can fill out a form. Our website is up to date. There's an online form. It could, it could submit it automatically to, mm -hmm. to my office. You could just submit it that way. Or you could stop by the judicial affairs office and pick up a form. Um, if you don't want to fill it out online, you could print out, also print out the form online. Or if you live in housing and you want to talk to one of your RDs, the resident directors as well, the, they're a great resource, and, and they could get you that information as well. Um, but it is a very uh, rewarding opportunity. Uh, it's great resume material. Um, yeah, you're involved with the decision-making. You learn about the due process rights. Uh, you will go through a, a couple-hour training. If you're interested in hearing cases that involve sexual misconduct, you have to receive an additional annual training in regards to that. And one thing that's great about Western is I could confidently say we are, we are way ahead of our uh, colleagues in the community colleges and the state universities because one of the mandates that more likely than not is going to come is that these type of cases have to be heard by more than one individual. Mm -hmm. By us having a trained university judicial board for quite a few years now, we're, we're, we're ahead of the game, which is, yeah. a good, which is a good feeling. Yeah, that's a nice thing. Now, I know there are some other opportunities for students to be involved in your office. What are some of those? Uh, another opportunity we have, which is just for students, it's called our Student Judicial Advocate mm -hmm. Program. The same thing, if you go into the WCSU Judicial Affairs website, that form is online. You could print it out or you could automatically fill it in online and it submits right to my office. This isn't, the training isn't, isn't as intense as a university judicial board. A lot of students, um, they encounter the disciplinary process, and often they are a little worried, mm -hmm. scared, everything. Any student that has to have a hearing, whether it's a hearing with me and the resident director or if it's a university judicial board hearing, when they receive that notice, they also get a list of our trained student judicial advocates. These students have gone through the training about the due process. Um, they could be there to sit with a student at the hearing. They can't. They also can't speak at all. Mm -hmm. But they can help under explain the options for the student. Um, sometimes students get separated from housing for a week, and they're, oh my goodness, does that mean I can't go to my classes? The judicial advocate can help explain. No, no, right. this just means that you just can't be visiting the residence halls for one week. Um, they're just a good mentor, uh, you know, a peer educator to to help the students get through a difficult process that really isn't difficult, but it could be viewed as being mm -hmm. difficult to the student. And right now we have about, on campus, we have about 15 student judicial advocates, okay. and we're always looking for more. But anytime we have a hearing or judicial board hearing, and they do get utilized, uh, mm -hmm. um, it, it actually makes me feel good when I have a hearing. And I'm like, oh, you know, Johnny's yeah. with you at the yeah. hearing. I was like, okay, very good, very good. Um, so it's always a, a good feeling. At the same time, please keep in mind that, you know, you're only able to bring one judicial advocate to a hearing, uh, you know, sometimes what we probably needed to be do be a little clearer on the hearing, like a student's yeah. in trouble and they want like all 15 student judicial yeah. advocates to come with them to the hearing. <laughs> that's not the purpose of it. But it is a great leadership opportunity for any student that's interested. Same thing, it's really good resume material. You can stop by my office or you can print it out online or fill it out online. It's all right there. Fabulous. Um, what, are, what are things that you think students should know mostly about the judicial affairs, um, just it in general. You talked a little bit about things like you can adjudicate off-campus behaviors and things too. So can you talk just about some of the general stuff? 
Sure. Uh, I, I think we have a good reputation here on campus and students, especially upper class students that may have been through their process and stuff, they understand that we're not just discipline. Um, and, and that's a message I would get to not only students, but the whole university community. We're here, we're here we want to see students succeed. We want to see them graduate. And often, uh, whether it's my graduate intern, myself, we'll have students stop by and they have scenarios that totally nothing to do with discipline. Yeah. They just want to be led in the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, they just want to be guided. It's like, oh my goodness, how do I do this? Um, or sometimes they're experiencing uh, some difficulties with things that have happened off campus and they're just asking for our advice because they they think we're legal or, or lawyer, yeah. which we are not. <laughs> and I make sure that's clear when I talk yeah. to the student. But uh, they're just looking for support or to be led in the mm -hmm. right direction. And that's one thing we would never uh, turn any student yeah. away when they come in. So judicial affairs, it's just, it's much more than discipline. Yet we want to make sure that the, the, the campus is safe. Uh, we monitor the university ban list. Um, the, the student care team that I mentioned earlier, uh, we have proactive approach, but the members of my team, they'll know that in, in a nice way, I try to stay on top of them too. It's like, oh, please make sure that you talk to this, you know, mm -hmm. this person, make sure this student is connected with your office because we want to see the students yeah. succeed. We want to see them uh, graduate. So if there was any message I had to give about that is that, you know, we want to, we're more than just discipline. Yeah. We, we have a lot of proactive approaches over there. Yeah. Anything that, that you want to say that I didn't ask about? Um, let's see. <laughs> You know, I think another important thing that we mentioned earlier was about off-campus misconduct. Mm -hmm. And it's important for clubs, organizations uh, to be aware that, you know, sometimes incidents that happen off-campus, we have jurisdiction to do disciplinary action. So if a student or a club or a group were having, a, I'll say, a party off-campus mm -hmm. and stuff, you know, we're not going to touch that unless it involves the safety of one of our students. Mm -hmm. um, if, if there's a, an altercation that happened between two of our students and it's brought to our university police's or my office's attention, we're going to call those students in because we want to make sure both yeah. students feel safe here at the university. Uh, same thing if there's a sexual assault that happens off campus because uh, a student was at a party. Same thing, there's going to be an adjudication process happening to those individuals that reside or rent or lease that apartment or, or house. Yeah. So that's one message in terms of, uh, I want to make sure we, we can do off-campus jurisdiction. Our police are wonderful. Sometimes they get resources uh, where a drug dealing is going on out in New Haven and is involving one of our students. Yeah. But we're going to do off-campus because we want to make sure that that's not going on yeah. on our campus here. Um, so that's one uh, thing I just want to make sure that was yep. added and, and, and brought in there. Uh, I'm trying to think. There was one more... Thing, but I can't think of what it was. Oh, <laughs> and the other thing that we do too is um, we're involved with training of student athletes, um, orientation leaders, student leaders. Uh, it's not just my office, but our substance abuse office and the women's center because uh, that's getting bigger and bigger. We want to mm -hmm. we work together as a team, and student leaders and student athletes. They're student leaders on campus, yeah. and they have a big message that they could give to their peers and we want to make sure that they're educated and they go into the academic year with a heads up saying you know yeah. be a leader <laughs> absolutely absolutely well, one of the things I wanted to just touch base on before we 
we leave because we're running out of time here. As, um, as I said earlier, you know, a lifetime ago before you came and, and while you were here in your early days, I was judicial affairs for, for campus. And I think for me, one of the things that, that I want people to take out of this is just because you get into trouble, it's not a life sentence for you. Um, I had a student who, he, he and I referred to him as a frequent flyer in the judicial affairs thing. And, um, you know, he was just, he was always in trouble. A nice kid just made stupid mistakes when he was in school. And, and about two years ago, about 20 years after this happened, I, he came up to me at an event on campus and, and he was like, I was so excited to see you were still here because, you know, I got to tell you that being involved in judicial with you changed my life. He says, I was, I was an idiot and I was making bad mistakes and, and you and how you treated me, you know, not that I was a horrible person, but that, that I was just an idiot. He said, it changed my life around and I decided I needed to get smart about what I was doing. And now he, he's married, he's got four kids, he's a, you know, a high powered attorney. Um, you know, he just, he really settled down and that's the thing I think, you know, for me, that's one of those moments that really says what you were doing there was great. It is because somebody came out as a success out of it. So, um, you know, I, I do know we're out of time now. So I want to thank you, Charlie, for coming in and talking Absolutely. to us about judicial affairs. I'm sure that we'll have reason to have you back sometime. Um, if anyone has any questions that, that, you know, came up because of this or you, you know, I know they can always feel free to stop by your office and, and talk with you and, uh, and give you a call. And as always, if you want to just get in touch with me because it's easier, I'm at griffinm at wcsu.edu. And you can touch base with me there and I'll get an answer for you. So, Excellent. And yeah. I'm at alexanderc at wcsu.edu. And any student that contacts our office or sends us an email, we do get back to you within 24 hours. Um, we're not going to keep you away. We're going to get back to you right away. Okay, great. Well, that's it for today then. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye now.